You're listening to the Quince podcast. Is Facebook simply a bystander in global politics or is it actively meddling in politics? Thanks to a report by the Wall Street Journal that was published on 14th August, there are some serious questions about Facebook's so-called impartiality when it comes to hate speeches by BJP members. The report alleges that Akhi Das, Facebook's top public policy executive in India who oversees a team that decides what content is allowed on the platform and what is not, opposed to applying hate speech community standards to Hindu nationalist leaders like BJP's T. Raja Singh who promoted violence and delivered hate speeches on the platform. This allegedly out of fear of ruining the company's relationship with the ruling party and hampering its business prospects in the country. But it doesn't seem to be a one-time incident. Rather, what is alleged is a pattern of bias. The allegations of selective enforcement of rules have come from even current and former Facebook employees who in the report said that, and I'm quoting one line from the report, quote, Ms. Das's intervention on behalf of T. Raja Singh is part of a broader pattern of favoritism by Facebook towards Mr. Modi's Bhatia Janta Party and Hindu hardliners, end quote. So does Facebook stand to threaten India's democracy? Do the internal assessments and content reviews done by the company hold any credibility? In this podcast, you'll hear from Paranjay Guha Thakurta, a journalist and also the co-author of the book The Real Face of Facebook in India, and Srinivas Kodaili, who's an independent researcher working on data and governance. You're tuned in to The Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you. And I'm your host, Shalburi. Facebook defines hate speech as a direct attack on people based on, quote, race, ethnicity, national origin, religious affiliation, sexual orientation, caste, sex, gender, gender identity, and serious disease or disability, or any posts containing violence or dehumanizing speeches, harmful stereotypes, statements of inferiority, or calls for exclusion or segregation, end quote. With that in mind, if we look at the examples of the instigating posts by the BJP leaders that were cited by the Wall Street Journal report, T. Raja Singh, a BJP MLA from Telangana, is infamous for openly giving anti-Muslim speeches and posting hateful comments against the community. Anand Kumar Hegwe, a BJP member of parliament from Karnataka, has posted essays and cartoons on his Facebook page alleging that Muslims are spreading COVID-19 in the country in a conspiracy to wage what he calls Corona Jihad. And as far as Kapil Mishra, a BGP leader from Delhi is concerned, even Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg referred to the threat issued by him against anti-CA protesters as an example of hate speech. Even as it worked on expanding what counts as an inflammatory post, Facebook has defended not banning incendiary posts from politicians and other public figures because they say that it's newsworthy. But the scope of what counts as violations was, in a manner of speaking, expanded to politician at times after Facebook faced a lot of criticism. And that resulted in the banning of hate group Nation of Islam's leader Louis Farrakhan's account, anti-Semitic US politician Paul Nehlen's account, and also some fringe right-wing media personalities' accounts. In fact, earlier this year, Facebook even removed posts shared by Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro and US President Donald Trump, where they had made unsubstantiated claims on COVID-19. So then, why did this social media platform not apply the same rules for Indian leaders who indulged in spreading misinformation and hate speeches. 
In a video message on Twitter, TMC MP and member of the Parliamentary Standing Committee, Mahua Moitra asks why does Facebook follow two different standards within the US and in India? Now, obviously, this is very distressing, not only for us as members of the Parliamentary Standing Committee and as public representatives, but also for the Indian public who are on Facebook. These hate-filled posts have led to incidents of loss of life, loss of property, looting, arson and communal violence all over India in the last three years or even more. And very little has been done to stop this. So the questions are very clear. Did Mark Zuckerberg and the senior management on Facebook know about this? Since they work with government and authorities all over the globe to bring down fake content and to bring down hate posts, what were they doing in India specifically about this issue? And do they condone the activities of Facebook India's public affairs head in not acting upon this very serious red flag as far back as in 2018? The second thing is this, ex-employees of Facebook have reached out to us informally and informed us that in fact these were raised in Q&A sessions within Facebook internally as far back as 2018, but nothing much was done about this. So why does Facebook follow two different standards within the US and outside when it comes to situations like this? Do Facebook shareholders condone the company's behavior which is violating both US law, Indian law and completely goes against every standard operating protocol that the company follows in the US when it comes to India? As the Wall Street Journal report claims, Facebook took down the inflammatory posts in concern only after they reached out for a comment. But the core allegations here against Facebook and its public policy executive in India, Akhidas, are twofold. One, partial enforcement of hate speech standards. The Wall Street Journal had reported that Ms. Das overlooked issues being flagged against these leaders, partially to avoid antagonizing the relationship with the BJP. The second allegation is of a preferential enforcement of election integrity rules. Unnamed former employees quoted by the US newspaper also claimed that Akhidas had also provided the BJP with quote-unquote favorable treatment on election-related issues. In 2017, if you remember, Bloomberg had reported on how Facebook had actively worked with PM Modi's team to create troll armies, spread misinformation and tarnish rivals, etc. And if the current allegations against Facebook and Akhidas are true, do their actions amount to abusing and disrupting democracy in India? This is what journalist and co-author of the book The Real Face of Facebook in India, Paranjoy Guha Thakurta said. Absolutely correct. If indeed the top officials of Facebook in India have not stopped hateful speech from being propaganda, propagated mm. on the ground that this, these have been propagated, uh, propagated by individuals who are close to the ruling party, mm. then it's clearly puts, the Facebook has clearly not just put profits before people, and, and it is not just interested in maximizing its profits without bothering about, you know, how, um, you know, what kind of information is put out in the public domain. But the allegations are very, very serious. You're trying to influence politics in the country. You're trying to undermine institutions of democracy. He also points out how this social media platform and WhatsApp were used as tools to inflict violence in other regions like Myanmar. What started as an innocuous uh, platform where people would exchange, you know, bits of information, remember friends' birthdays and form groups with old schoolmates, have become a, a 
tool for gathering information about users uh, and thereby selling this data to advertisers to influence behavior. There have been entire books written on the subject. Facebook's activities have been called out. Mm. They've been questioned. Uh, An official of the United Nations questioned the manner in which WhatsApp was misused in Myanmar. And that led to the killings of Rohingya Muslims. Mm. In New Zealand, uh, a person who shot dead large numbers of people outside a mosque was able to broadcast that scene uh, live. We've seen instances in other parts of the world, in, mm. in Brazil, even in the United States. Within Facebook, there's been opposition as to whether certain messages which can be considered hateful and which has been put out by the American president, Donald Trump, should be put out. Mm. Closer home, what we've seen is in Rajasamand district in Rajasthan, there was an instance of a person brutally murdering another person and his relative shot that gruesome scene and the, the entire video was disseminated. And, and Facebook says we can't do anything about it. Mm. Uh, we don't know who the, uh, the person who made the video. We don't know who are the recipients. They cover themselves under the shield of its technology, which is end-to-end encryption. Mm. They, in the name of privacy, they, uh, uh, that platform is misused. Mm. I mean, there are dozens of instances over the last few years in India, when mob lynchings have been fueled by WhatsApp posts, there have been actual killings of people. And it's not just Islamophobia, but actual killings that have happened. Mm. And uh, Facebook now has tied up with India's biggest telecommunication service provider and mobile internet data provider. So it's an international monopoly mm. now tying up with a local monopoly. I'm talking about the investments made by Facebook in Reliance Geo. Now, why this piece of news is raising such serious concerns about our democratic processes is because India is Facebook's biggest market. And it's estimated that Facebook has close to 3 million users in India, higher than the US and higher than any country in the world. Consider this, PM Modi has the highest number of followers on his Facebook page at over 45 million, only second to Barack Obama. And given its huge presence in the country, Facebook has also been trying to pursue some business interests like trying to launch WhatsApp's payment service in India. And it also invested into a $5.7 billion deal with Reliance Geo in June earlier this year, which, let me tell you, is Facebook's highest overseas investment. And as the Wall Street Journal report suggests, why Ms. Das turned the other way when it came to the incendiary posts was also to safeguard Facebook's business prospects. So in that case, does Facebook's business interest exploit socio-communal fault lines in India? Srinivas Kodaili, an independent researcher working on data and governance, says that Facebook has essentially converted a political campaign into a marketing campaign, which has across the world exploited social rifts. As I was mentioned, Facebook's business interest is essentially profit and uh, their profit essentially comes from ads and anyone who is promoting these ads or promoting content on Facebook essentially is is their customer. In this case, it so happens political parties are also Facebook's customers and uh, the parties with the extensive amount of money are able to influence these 
platforms. Now, if you look at the uh, kind of interactions that happen over Facebook, they are essentially social interactions because so Facebook is a social network. And these interactions are often about an individual's experiences or uh, or the indifferences about the individual's worldview, right? Like when you're talking about um, a society which probably doesn't like a particular religion or a particular country, then you would essentially look at most of these social interactions could be against these particular uh, entities, right? Now, can these people be influenced through uh, Facebook to essentially love these entities are uh, definitely possible, right? Like if, if some of these entities or brands have realized that if they want to change their brand opinions, they could use Facebook as a, a medium to essentially promote their business interests. Now, at the same time, what has happened in India is that political parties have realized that uh, Facebook helps them to convert citizens into voters right it, it essentially makes this whole entire election a marketing campaign and if you're looking at political parties who are trying to build a brand image for their leaders uh, these platforms become important and yes exploiting these social and communal fault lines uh, by some of these political parties allows them to grow we have consistently seen this across the world i'm not saying that it is very specific to India. If you look at Brazil, if you look at some of the European nations where there is a rise of far right uh, political leaders, or if you look at the, the US itself, where there is an extensive debate on how Cambridge Analytica helped the rise of Trump. Now, all of this essentially involves exploiting social and communal fault lines. But as with Cambridge Analytica and then the Pegasus 5F fiasco, Facebook has often shielded itself behind vague responses regarding its quote-unquote individual assessments or the quote-unquote regular audits or internal assessments and content review. But if Facebook is indeed willing to bend its own rules, is there any credibility in its corrective actions? Back to Mr. Kodaili here. Every time there is an incident inside Facebook, uh, they've kind of had some kind of audits or internal assessments, which time and time have told Facebook that some of their practices are not suitable uh, for democratic countries or probably affecting uh, these uh, social spheres, right? Uh, but time and time, Facebook has ignored these internal assessments. Uh, I mean, if you look at the whole issue of Cambridge Analytica, for example, they have uh, completely ignored uh, uh, when the initial data was uh, collected by the company, right? Like when all those 50 million records were collected, they simply ignored uh, doing any sort of complaint or any sort of audit of the company where the deletion has happened. Like ha had they raised some kind of alert, there could have been... Um, I would say a better uh, hopeful thing that nobody would have had access to this data. Uh, but Facebook didn't even bother to inform its um, uh, users that some of their data was accessed by these third parties, right? So uh, now all of these internal systems that Facebook has put in place have definitely been overruled by Mark Zuckerberg when it comes to business decisions, right? Like when it comes to profit. So the 
in terms of corporate governance in terms of uh, facebook credibility as being uh, institutions with uh, which upholds rule of law time and time have shown us that they have ignored this Currently, there's an FIR against Akhidas registered by the Chhattisgarh Police on a slew of charges under the IPC, including outraging religious feelings and incitement to violence. There's also a separate FIR registered by the Delhi Police, based on Akhidas's complaint, where she alleged receiving death threats and online harassment. Meanwhile, Congress leader Shashi Tharoor, who heads the Parliamentary Standing Committee, said that he would look into the issue and that the committee will seek the views of Facebook on this. If you like listening to this episode please subscribe to the Big Story playlist for episodic updates we'll have on Apple Google Podcast Spotify Jio Seven and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms for other podcasts please log on to the Quinn website and check out the podcast section for any feedback shoot an email to podcasts@thequinn.com Thanks for listening Log on to the Quint's website and check out our other podcasts. 